Fuel can be complicated. I'm not meaning paying for it at the pump, but trying to understand and predict the price movements. In this episode, we're going to dive into reasons why you should pay more attention to the importance of fuel and how to leverage that knowledge to overcome market volatility. Can we save time and energy when the price of fuel moves up? This and more coming up in this episode of Loaded and Rolling. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson, Enterprise Trucking Carrier Expert here at Freight Waves. And today we're going to talk about the wide world of fuel. I'm not meaning buying it at the pump, but instead making informed decisions to hedge against future price volatilities via futures contracts. After this episode, you may not get your invite to Goldman Sachs, but you could save a few thousand to a few million dollars on your total transportation spend. For many companies, whether it's trucking, retail, manufacturing, or even airlines, it costs quite a bit of money to move products. That cost comes in the form of fuel surcharges or prices paid at the pump during the movement of goods. The bad news is that you can't always pay the price you want, but the good news is that you can start the process to hedge against risks and volatility by entering the commodities market. No longer is this the domain reserved only for speculators, but companies can use the same strategies to save money when fuel prices drastically rise. Now, without further ado, though, joining us today to talk about fuel buying strategies is Elaine Levin. She's the president of Powerhouse, a company focused on price risk management that uses energy futures to design and implement hedging strategies. Elaine has over 30 years of experience and has worked with hundreds of senior energy executives and was the principal instructor for the Opus Fuel Hedging University for over 14 years. She knows a thing or two about fuel. Elaine, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you on and, you know, diving in, looking at talking about fuel hedging, we've talked about it a few times uh, before, but what's the most common mistake people make when they first try to start fuel hedging? Well, the first thing I would say, the most common mistake is not being proactive. For you to have success in a hedging program, you want to be ahead of a price move, not reacting to it. So anybody who's trying to initiate a hedging program now, we can't go back in time and make prices lower. We can only keep them from getting worse. So the companies that have had the best success throughout this whole run-up in prices are ones who hedge regularly and routinely. And talking about companies, you know, who is able to hedge fuel? Is there a certain process to get in there? Can anyone do it? Is it reserved for only the largest ones? Well, the, if you're going to use a, a futures or an option on a futures on the exchange, the contract size is 42,000 gallons. So that would be the minimum per month to get on to the, or to use a hedging instrument that is on exchange. If that volume is too large, we can look into the over-the-counter markets, which would allow us to go down to as little as 500 gallons in any month, if that's appropriate for the company's hedging program. 
And looking into these options contracts, is it kind of like a regular contract on things like other commodities on grain or wheat? Are you buying it at a certain price and it's going a certain amount of time? Or is there anything different when you're looking at 42000 Exactly uh, you know, the same. Every option has a date that it expires and we can go out many years, um, over three years in uh, diesel. Every option has a price at which it becomes valuable. That's the strike price, the exact same thing as in other commodities. You have calls which protect against prices going higher if you're a buyer. Um, if you buy a put, you are protected as if prices go down. So most of the people we would be talking to on this broadcast, their risk is that prices of diesel fuel go higher. So they would be call buyers. That's probably the most popular strategy that we use for the end user of fuel, either the person who's experiencing a fuel surcharge or is actually the one who's going to burn the fuel in their truck. So like uh, that's what I was always curious about. So if a barrel of oil is around $120 and I wanted to make sure that you know, I paid a relatively similar amount, I would buy a call for that $120 over an extended period of time. And then if it goes up to like $200, somebody has to eventually pay me at the expiration of that contract or if I decide to execute it, right? That, that's exactly right. And so we can actually do this on diesel. There is a diesel contract. So I, you could use crude, but why not use diesel since that's what you're going to burn? And if you're worried, and I'll just use this number for example, if you're worried about fuel going above $4 a gallon, you could buy the $4 call. The nice thing is if you do it using a futures uh, contract or an option on a future, the exchange, the New York Mercantile, is your counterparty, and they're collecting funds along the way from the other side of the trade, so you know your money will be there. We have not had a default on a U.S. futures market. That's one of the great advantages of using uh, an option on exchange. It's one less thing to worry about. And looking at, so let's say we buy the call. I figure out that I have exactly 42,000. Uh, is it gallons or barrels? It's gallons. It's also 1,000 barrels, but 42,000 gallons. <laughs> so we got 42,000 gallons for my fleet. I'm going to buy this call. Do I have to pay like a, a fee up front or do I have to pay for the right to maintain it? You pay for the option up front. Uh, you pay for the premium. I always like to say it's very analogous to think about your car insurance. You pay a premium to your insurance company in exchange for being reimbursed if a risk happens. In the case of the commodities market, your risk that you're trying to avoid is the price of diesel fuel going higher. So you can pay a premium in exchange to get rid of that risk or push that risk into the marketplace. That's what I've been curious about because we're looking at some recent trends and uh, Target, Walmart, large retailers as well are having some issues in terms of rising costs. Uh, so we talk about the form of trucking companies. I'm looking at gallons. I'm going to buy some futures. Can Fortune 500 companies get in on this as well, or do they have to do any different strategies with uh, fuel hedging? They can and they do. Um, we work with a publicly traded company that had, remember what I said, the reason or the way that you become successful is to be proactive. So when prices fell during COVID and the, the initial drop-off on the pandemics and the shutdowns and everything, um, fuel got very cheap. They saw this as an opportunity and they are hedging the fuel surcharge that they pay to their carriers 
right now they have hedges on for the rest of this year at $1.60 a gallon equivalent for diesel. Uh, so that's making their shareholders very happy that they went ahead proactively and took advantage of low prices and kept or conserved those low prices into the future. Uh, those hedges went on a couple of years ago and they'll run out next year. Do you, and that's what I was curious about. So look at the insurance policy. I'm going to buy it for a year up to three years. Um, when prices rise like that and I bought early, so I'm paying lower premiums, do I sell when it gets early? Or do I just let the contract expire and then make a profit? Is there like a strategy of when to exercise that? Option? That's a great question. Um, most of the people that would be watching this broadcast are going to be rateable buyers of fuel. You know, they're not just going to buy a one day. They're constantly fueling their trucks or paying their sur sur fuel surcharges. So as a result, we use a contract that has a monthly average settlement. The great thing about this is once you buy it and you pay for it, it goes on autopilot. Basically, you don't even have to do anything at the end. It automatically cashes out based on what the average for the month is on the futures exchange. Oh, wow. So literally as it's going, as this contract's going throughout its cycle, it's deciding to pay you in the increments based on those changes throughout yeah. the duration. I feel like I'm Ron Vapil. You said it and forget it. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, uh, that's what's so much fun about uh, contracts because coming from like, I came from a large care with 5,000 trucks and there was a fuel buying desk, but I don't think uh, there was ever a thought process of, how can we save this money or how can we use these instruments and actually protect against the rise? Because like you said, with the fuel surcharge, once it goes up, as it rises, the carrier is squeezed and then you make your money as it goes down and right, the difference right. is spread. Exactly. And so many of these uh, fleets will say, well, I'll just push my risk onto the end user, the person who's going to be shipping. But We've also worked with carriers who said, could I differentiate myself in the marketplace by not charging a fuel surcharge? And the way that you do that is basically you build the price of the option into the price and you'll never have to go back and ask for more money through that surcharge. So there's ways you can do this that's defensive and protecting your own profit margin. But where I think it's very fun is using these tools to grow your business. You know, would you be able to attract more business if you said, I'll never charge you a fuel surcharge? That's an interesting thought. So theoretically, if a carrier does it right, they know their full their total spend, they've got X amount of trucks doing Y amount of gallons, so they get their rate. They could say to a customer, I know you're, all these other guys are charging you. I can give you the line haul, but because of what I'm able to do, I can cover the cost of fuel now and I can provide you greater service. Exactly, exactly. And we have seen carriers do this in the past. It'll be interesting to see, you know, human nature does tend to be reactive. So we've had a lot of interest in hedging right now because prices are so hot. The great news though about the strategy using the call option is it sets a worst case price, but if prices fall, you bought some insurance you didn't need. In other words, you didn't crash your car. That's what I was curious about because right now, you know, you have to be in advance. You have to be proactive. When we're looking at the insurance cost, like now, let's say that I need to buy this contract option now because holy cow, I'm afraid it's going to go up. Am I going to pay a higher premium because of the value of it? Or would I have paid a lower premium two years prior when oil was, you know, much cheaper? That's an excellent question. 
And yes, the cost of option premiums has gone up and it's reflecting two different things. You're exactly right. The higher cost of fuel does work into the cost of the option. Because if you think about it, a 10% move on a $4 gallon will go a lot further distance than if we're at $1.50. So the market makers of the other side of the trade are working that into their models. The other thing is volatility. Think about it this way. If I got a quote on somebody who had a perfect driving record versus somebody who's been in a lot of accidents, we would say the person who's been in a lot of accidents is a more volatile driver. As a result, they're going to pay higher premiums for their car insurance. Well, with the market moving 20, 25 cents in a day, and that's not even the biggest range we've seen, that goes into the pricing of the premiums. So right now, all remaining equal is a more expensive time to start this than it would have been even at the beginning of the year. It kind of reminds me of like when folks would short like even the housing market. So we have fuel going up. Are there any chances where we want to short it if it goes down and maybe make any puts on the difference? If, if I can't get in now as it goes up, is there a value in the put or is that really risky? Well, that's speculative. That, you know, there's no reason you're doing that for any hedging purpose. And also remember, if you're a hedger, Uncle Sam treats you differently. I'm not an accountant. I don't play one on TV. But (laughs) um, if you have a gain in your hedge, it goes as part of your cost of goods sold. Whereas, and when you open a futures account, you do a test to say, I'm doing this for hedging purposes. If you are speculating, it's a whole other ball of wax. I don't know why anybody who's concerned about prices going higher wouldn't want to just sit back and relax and enjoy them coming down. Because it's like you said, risk-free with these calls. I'm not on the hook if it moves downwards. I'm buying it to secure something. And then it's kind of like bushels of wheat. If I have it at $2, yeah, it may go up or it goes down, but at least I have that protection. That's correct. All you're at risk for is the premium you paid. So the worst thing that could happen is the market goes sideways. <laughs> you know, then you bought your premium and didn't get much benefit. But if you buy an option in the market, let's say the war in Ukraine is over tomorrow and diesel prices fall $2, well, you'll get all the benefits other than the premium that you spent for your insurance. If prices go higher, well, you know at least now what your worst case budget is. That's what I was curious about, talking about the price movement. And I mean, you, you've you been in the industry for quite some time. Um, is this something that has a similar precedent or are we kind of in uncharted territories in your personal opinion? Well, you know, the closest we've been is 2008. And if you recall, prices moved higher as China was getting ready to host the Olympics in Beijing. They were buying half the world's concrete. They were buying copper, all sorts of commodities. Prices went up to about July. But then we had the housing bubble burst and it brought down all these collateralized mortgages, which then sent the stock market down. And ultimately, by the end of it, we saw a move down of almost $3 in the price of diesel. Could this happen again? Losing Russia as a supplier is material. They're a very important supplier of crude oil, natural gas, and diesel into Western Europe. So that's different this time. 
We also could not have had this war at a worse time because inventories were so low after we've lost workers, refineries, um, spare parts that become harder to replace with the supply chain issues. So this has really been the perfect storm to bring prices higher. How it ends, we'll have to see how long does the war drag on? Does it bring on a recession? These are things that we still don't know. But just today, we found out that uh, Europe will be buying much less crude oil from Russia. And that's what's sending prices up 20, 24 cents today. So there's still a lot in play. And we've seen the highest price we've ever seen this year on the commodities exchange. And we don't know if we're done yet. That's really the question. We've still got a lot of uh, ball game left, so to speak, it feels like. And so that's where these hedging strategies are important because as you know, folks are now thinking, well, if I'm not buying it from Russia, uh, I need to buy it somewhere else. And all that demand at limited capacity is going to cause this price to rise. Um, exactly. To thinking, that's what I was curious about on, on earnings. And so with Target and Walmart, kind of wanted to circle back on that real quick. Is there something, are there any examples of companies that have done a, a uh, great job that you're able to talk about on fuel buying strategies? Or is this something where potentially three years ago, a lot of these retailers and other companies could have potentially saved themselves some pain? Well, you can just look at Southwest. They even on their website outline their whole fuel hedging strategy. Southwest has been hedging jet fuel for a very long time. And in 2008, when we made that run up above $4, they had something like 80 to 90% of their jet fuel hedged. Right now, they are doing a great job of hedging. And if you read their material, two things. There's a reason you never pay for a check bag on Southwest. And that's you can thank their hedging program for that. The other thing is they call it their disruptive hedging program because there's been many examples of Southwest being the only carrier hedged will not raise their prices when their competition does. And they've been able to grow market share or unwind those price increases. Uh, so they've really been in the driver's seat when it comes to marketing and setting the market price. Uh, so it's it, they're just a wonderful case study to go back. And like I said, it's all right there on their website. I think that's so cool to think about airlines and jet fuel. And you wouldn't expect them to utilize a hedge strategy but with all those planes in, in, in circulation that allows them to, like you said, expand into markets. Because I'm assuming that's the strategy is now I can offer lower cost tickets. I can expand a few more hubs. I can get access to a gate or two. And then that's the disruption part is when the economy comes back, they can still make those adjustments. That's exactly right. And even when prices are in a down phase, Southwest is still committed to their hedging. Remember what I said, you've got to do it regularly and routinely. They had a great quote that said, basically, the unknown cost of fuel is like having a teenage boy driver in the middle of your income statement. You've got to put some insurance on him. And that's exactly what we've been talking about today with buying those call options. Have you all seen it with any trucking or transportation companies or in your experience, is it still something that uh, uh, has been really widely considered by a lot of uh, transportation I companies? think there's a lot of people who have not done it, but we do work with carriers 
athletes and users who see this as a part of their buying strategy. They are always at least some percentage hedged. And they realize that if they don't get a return on their hedge, that's the best thing that could happen because that means that prices have fallen and they're buying their diesel fuel cheaper and hopefully seeing better profit margins. That's what I was always worried about because from my experiences, trucking companies have such low margins that one side would say, why are you paying this insurance? This could go to something else. But at the contrarian view, which is like, I'm buying an insurance policy, I'm telling my shareholders this, and now anyone who bought in early, this is where it actually pays off. So it's almost where you have to take a long-term thinking, but in trucking, that's such a hard thing to pull off. Yeah, and you know, like you said, everybody's on thin margins, so they don't want to sacrifice the money for the premiums, but then you hit a situation like this where if you're not hedged, your fuel surcharge may not be keeping pace or you never have 100% covered by your fuel surcharge. So at $4 wholesale or $6 retail, this becomes material. So your margin's getting hit one way or the other. So you might as well have some control of your own destiny. I like that aspect of control. So I think we've outlined a great case for why it's important. Now, getting started, do you have to be a commodities buyer? Do you have to go or, you know, you can't just show up and buy a contract. What would be the first steps to try and get started to to, to start hedging, so to speak? Well, you got to work with a competent broker. I think that that's very important. I always like to kid there's only one in America. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I think you want to have somebody to hold your hand through this process. Remember, I was talking about using these monthly average options. There are different types of option settlements. Making sure that you're using the correct one is important. Also, we have access to different market makers that you probably couldn't find through just a regular you know, run-of-the-mill online brokerage. The other thing is working with a company like Powerhouse, we really understand your business. We understand what it is you're trying to achieve. We're watching these markets every day since, you know, we're in front of the screen so you don't have to be. So our clients also depend on us just to talk about timing, strategy, and to be there to hold their hand throughout the whole process. I think that's really worth something. We also run education. You mentioned the Opus class. Uh, we've since taken practical fuel hedging in-house. So we just did one here in DC in May, but we'll have another hedging class coming up at probably November. Uh, and really, you know, your two biggest costs for most of these companies watching today is labor and fuel. So why not learn more about how you can protect yourself for one of the costs that's so vital in your business? And looking into that uh, final final few uh, minute here too, but uh, if there's anything like uh, for, for your average person who's now just starting to think ahead, is there any one particular piece of advice you'd give them uh, You know, is kind of uh, the one thing you really got to remember? Well, you really got to remember once I just cannot stress it enough, you know, you do not want to be reactive and do this once and prices fall and you say, see, I bought some insurance I don't need. For To have success, just like Southwest Airlines, they have committed to doing this regularly and routinely. 
that is the number one key to success. Because if not, you're going to be the person who buys the high because you'll say, I can't stand it anymore. And when that pain point comes, the markets have a great way of uh, inflicting as much pain as they can. So, uh, you know, when you hit that point where you can't stand it anymore, really, you should have been in front of that, not reacting to it. It can't. Yeah, exactly. Preparation is key. Uh, for folks who want to reach out and who are interested, what's the best way to get a hold of you all? You can uh, find us on, find me through the website. We're Powerhouse TL, that's Powerhouse T is in Tom, L is in Larry.com. Uh, we have some contact information there. We also have some information on hedging if you want to learn more. Uh, you can also reach me at Elaine at PowerhouseTL.com. That's my email address. And uh, there are no dumb questions. So feel free to reach out. And if we can help you, uh, we're happy to explore it. Perfect. Elaine, thank you so much for coming on the show. I may get in some hedging myself. I really do appreciate your time. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap for today's show, but join us next week at 1 p.m. Eastern time every Tuesday. It's no longer Monday. Or check out the Loaded and Rolling newsletter. I send it two times a week, usually Wednesdays or Saturdays. Keep an eye out. That's it for today, though. I'm Thomas Watson. Join us next week. We may, in fact, do it live. <laughs>